This week on the Exclamation Mark Podcast, a special Apple conference happened last week and it bears new fruit for gamers. My life for ire. Blizzard releases a new cinematic trailer for the final chapter in the StarCraft II trilogy and it is simply amazing. Some YouTubers are asking for cash up front. It took some tin to build Witcher 3. Crofton does a debrief of Arkham Knight now that he's finished the game, and Bo continues to dance with Diablo. As always, we have new recommendations, Master Game Theater, and so much more coming up in 30 seconds on EXM. The only podcast that will push a release date to meet quality standards. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Hello and welcome to the Exclamation Mark Podcast, episode 19, A New Hope. I am Crofton Steers, one of your two uh, gaming guides on this journey of discovery that we embark upon almost every week. With me is my uh, buddy, compadre, the R2-D2 to my C-3PO, Bo Schwartz. Bo, welcome to the show. Hello, Crofton. Um, thank you for giving me the role of R2-D2. I appreciate that greatly he is definitely the cooler of the two um and that's probably a reflection of our relationship as well however you speak many languages and perform heroics in your own goofy kind of way Ah. and everything is all your fault uh is it i guess so it looks like it's my fault until things sort of turn out for the better that's kind of how r2d2 rolls he's on a different wavelength potentially yeah um, so, uh, how goes it? How are you doing? Pretty good. Um, you know, I'm not sick anymore, and uh, we're actually doing a show, so I'm very excited about that. Feeling great. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, good uh, Good point there. Uh, apologies for those of you who are weekly listeners. We've missed a little bit of uh, a time. Partly, that had to do... <laughs> ...imploded. Um, okay. and, uh, and I'm I'm back on my feet now. Uh, and hopefully better than ever. But uh, yeah, I, I had a I had quite the tech problem with my wireless adapter, uh, leading to me needing an external wireless adapter because it failed, which caught on fire and damaged the motherboard and yada yada yada. You know, normal computer stuff. Um, and uh, and so now I'm I'm on a new laptop, and that's why I got this lower view of me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get it all set up in the near future so that you will get, you know. The full Crofton, if you will. That sounded dirty. Yeah, just as you were saying that, uh, we did actually have a, a lag spike. However, we got everything of what you said. So, fingers crossed that that was the only spike we're going to get for the duration of the show. Um, I hope that's not on my end. Uh, well, you know, we have to see. But, uh, you know, you're coming in loud and clear otherwise. And it was, uh, you know, it was a good lag spike. You know, oftentimes when you lag spike, we lose stuff and we didn't lose anything. But yeah, oh, God. Crofton is also the C-3PO of, you know, computer ownership. Um, you know, its parts are always falling off and people are always having to put them back together. Uh, so also- I get carried around by Wookiees. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I definitely, it's, uh, I've got the worst luck, worst mm. luck. So this time I'm buying two computers, two la- laptops, one heavy duty. This one is a little less heavy duty. And the idea being if one of them fails, I got to back up at all times. Sweet. Well, you sound like you're becoming a prepared podcaster. And well, I'm a professional, important. Bo. I value professionalism above all else and video games. Well, hopefully everyone agrees with me that we're glad that you're back and that we're back. And, yeah, um, sweet. Speaking of coming back, the Tokyo Game Show is also coming back this week. I don't know if you're excited for anything here, but I know that there should be some, some substantial Final Fantasy 15 news, and um, I find that kind of exciting. I know Persona 5 is also a big one that's been bowing out of shows that it, like uh, that wasn't at E3 and people were like, oh, when's it going to be here? So, I mean, there's a couple of big Japanese-made games, but with Metal Gear Solid 5 out recently, I think that um, 
I think the, the heavy lifting's Final Fantasy 15 for Tokyo Game Show. And there may be Western games and other stuff as well. I don't know how that rolls, but it feels like we've been inundated with these shows lately. Yeah, well, I think I think maybe we're just being a little more sensitive to it too because now we're doing a gaming podcast. So I'm every week I'm checking for news articles and I'm like, there's another show? Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know yeah. if I feel like covering a show. <laughs> like a, it's a game. There's going to be so much news. I want to talk about irrelevant things. Um, and I want it to be dripped out throughout the year sometimes, like having these big dumps of news or sometimes... The other uh, issue for us, too, on the show, and you can write in and give us your feedback, is we're still trying to figure out how we do our news. So do we want to cover everything? Like, when you actually start looking at gaming news sites on a daily basis, you kind of get the sense that 80% of it is not news. It's just... We want people to click on this stuff to sell advertising. Clickbait, Bo. Well, it's I not clickbait. Clickbait's something different. That's you're getting baited into clicking it. It's more just that, hey, um, Fallout Four, which we've already announced and talked about. Well, there's going to be an extra button in the menu screen, so let's write an article about. It. You know, it's just content for content's sake, and it's. I would argue some of that is clickbait. Like sometimes, sure. I'm like, not saying uh, it. I just clickbait is very specific. It's like, you know. Um, liberals you know you know the headline is going to say like uh you know top 10 reasons you might have cancer uh, you know so check from under your bed you know and it's like how do you get cancer from under your bed and you click it because it, it your brain is just like what but i and see a lot of these top yeah. 25 games of the xbox 360 now that, you know like top you know there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that as yeah. well filling the sites and you know i click on it i'm interested i'm interested in seeing what people's opinions are about those type of things but like yeah i know what you're saying a lot of that a lot of that stuff is My crazy content for content's sake that's what i think so i'm well, we have a lot of content to go through uh this week so uh let's move on to our own news section filled with a hundred percent no clickbait. Readme.txt. That head bopping sound of the modem. Um, all right, so the first thing we'll cover is I, I think the biggest event of the last week was the Apple um, the Apple announcement event. They do these like maybe a couple of times a year. So they had their they had their big one uh, that draws the attention of the world this, this is past the week. Big annual event one, right? Is it annual? I thought like I feel like they have one for they, iPhones they and them, one for iPads. Year, and... but I thought there was one big one where Steve Jobs used to get up and do the speech, and now it's Tim Cook. I just forget yeah, what it's, like Google has Google I.O. What's the Apple one? Apple Apple Bite meeting. <laughs> but they know. definitely have they have the, normally the fall one is that one where they announce the new iPhones. Um, yeah, that yeah. Ev- I thought every- that, that this was what that was. Like it was it, the- it was. Like I mean they did they did announce uh, some stuff like new iPhone new, but they also announced a new iPad, uh, large sized iPad. Um which is a little bit different. It, it's going to weigh about the same as the original iPad, so fairly heavy, but it's going to be quite a bit bigger. And uh, I, I saw that because thinking about from a gaming point of view, you're like, wow, more real estate for games. Oh, it'd be fairly luxurious to play something like even Hearthstone on that or whatever. But it's clearly being marketed for businesses. Like you have these big pads of which to to work on or to bring to meetings or whatever. Um, so uh, it didn't really, it wasn't on my must-buy list. The thing that I was most anticipating did actually happen, which was that Apple TV um, got relaunched or there's a new version of Apple TV and it now now features uh, an app store and games and stuff. And uh, I, I thought they were going to come out big and they were going to have like a controller and all this sort of stuff. But instead it was really like a soft launch, if anything, like... They really didn't stress the games too much. The imp- I'm still confused about how you're going to be interacting with them. Um, well, it, so. yeah, I guess it is, if they're announcing games, and I didn't watch any of the announcements, I just sort of got it in bits and pieces. In fact, I'll probably learn the most I'll learn about it from you today. Um, but uh, my sense is that the Apple TV has a specific design goal, and that's for you know their iTunes serv- like uh, TVs and film, and that's what the box is intended. 
And so I don't think they're invest like I don't think it's like we're releasing a new console for people or something akin to Steambox. Which if you think about the way Steam works, we're like, oh, it makes sense that they do a console. They have a huge library. Most of their a lot of their games are are, are console friendly, play with controllers. So, you know, and then you look at Apple and you're like, oh, you're asking people to buy a box that you put on your TV stand. And, um, you know, why not do what they're doing? You have a giant library of mobile games. So why not just transfer whatever you can onto the TV? Makes sense. I think they're putting it here and they're kind of going to see what's going to happen with it. And if they start making money hand over fist, I'd be willing to bet they put more, they allocate more resources into making that more robust. So I feel like... this is they a, should know that that's going to happen already. Like, this is the thing is that's like, frustrating. I I, I'm a gamer. For, I listen to that, and I'm like, okay, nice for nice for anyone. Even if I owned an Apple TV, I would not plan to use it until I had a reason to. But, like, if you go anywhere and you look at how people are playing games now, especially kids and stuff, a lot of them are, get, are playing, you know, on the iPads, iPhones, and all that sort of stuff. And um, for parents who are looking for, like, a quick fix, you have now a device that's connected to your TV and, and Apple has a history of sort of stumbling into video games because if you look at the App Store, the top games, both like free-to-plays and uh, – sorry, the top apps, free-to-plays and purchases are almost all video games. I guarantee you when Steve Jobs and co. were coming up with the, the iPhone and, and, and the iPad, they weren't thinking these are going to be – like massive game devices, but really games are what people buy on them. And that's what's going to happen with the Apple TV too. And they had a chance to get ahead of that and release like an Apple branded controller and all that sort of stuff. They didn't have to make it so complicated, but now it's launching. It's going to have some, it's going to have some compatibility with some games or whatever. It's controller based from what I understand. It's going to have Disney infinity. It's going to have Skylanders and some of these, some of these major brands that kids brands and stuff like that. I think that they, there was an opportunity there to be a major player and they, they, I don't know. I don't know why they've done it like this. Like they've just sort of, they, it's like, Oh, it also plays games. You know, they're, they, they spent tons of time talking about how it now has Siri and you can press a button and talk to it and say, play this movie. Who gives a shit about that? It plays video games. I mean, like there's, there's, if they had come in a little more strategically, I think they could have made a big splash, especially, they especially could have hurt Nintendo um, in terms of having a, a game platform for but, kids but and you, stuff. Do you think that's why they wouldn't position it that way? Because if they marketed in such a way as to say like Apple TV now also you know, a competitor for your gaming console. And we know people buy more than one gaming console, but gamers do. Families don't. Like, the type of people who might buy Apple... Someone who owns an Xbox can watch TV. on Netflix, is all that stuff is on there. Right. What benefit does Apple TV give you? The people that I, I've bought Apple TV as gifts, um, for individuals who don't have Xboxes or Playstations, you know, back when it was a big deal to have a console to watch things like Netflix... Um, it's much easier for them to use. And it's also, I think you can listen to podcasts and there's radio stations, there's a YouTube app on there. Like there's a lot of really great stuff that you also have on consoles that you get on Apple. And for me, it was always, well, this is much easier for a non-gamer to use. So I, yeah, think, well, they're, I think they're trying not to alienate people by saying like, hey, it's a console. Because I think a lot of people, there are a market of people out there who are really into movies and television who don't, don't care that but much I about gaming. I think they so. could have had their cake and eaten it too. Is what Maybe. I'm saying. They could have like released uh, a fi- one that was like forty bucks more expensive. Say it comes with an Apple certified controller. Because the big thing is the old Apple TVs. They had they had apps on them, but you could not get any others. Like they had like a, quite a few, but you couldn't upgrade them in any way, shape, or form. And now the new one has an Apple App Store, and it. You know they should know from experience that's going to be taken over by games, and I just felt feel that there's like there there was an opportunity there to say like also you know light light family friendly gaming you want you want some in your home instead of shelling out like two three hundred dollars for the latest you know Nintendo I agree with you what you're saying about Sony and Microsoft they're playing in a different field, but I feel like they could have they could have really sold it as like a, a um, the the system of the family it's cheap easy to use you know parents a lot of parents don't give a shit how fancy graphics their kids games are you know so yeah i know i clearly people don't there's a 
that don't give a crap about graphics. They bought the Wii. I played the first time I played with the Wii. I didn't realize it wasn't like it was. Was it like 720p? Like it, it wasn't even that. For it's 480p. It was whole, I was like, I had like a big flat screen TV, and I was like, what is this garbage? Why? But you know, it's the Wii originally sold really well, so. It's it was at everything. that transition period yeah. too between the uh, yeah. eight, like there was no, early know, HD adopters yeah. like us, but there was a lot of people that didn't have HD TVs when the Wii first hit the stores. Right. Well, Apple TV, I guess. Uh, yeah. I think it's a and nice it, little device. I'm, 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 I don't want to be, I don't want to be sort of being too critical about it because I think it's a great product for the right type of individual i just i just think there was an opportunity there for them to break huge into gaming because i think apple's a super powerful brand and they they've just sort of like and i see they've just sort of sidestepped into it and i i can see it again like a bunch of gaming apps flooding their store them starting to regulate it maybe eventually coming out with like a controller or something but it feels like they haven't given it much thought anyway i just wanted to rant a bit about that yeah. and so didn't we got, want it we, to take up too much time well as as always <laughs> we take a news article and discuss it but for a long the time. apple event is the biggest thing this week yeah. like honestly uh, i don't mind ranting on it too long all right, next item here is a trailer for one of Bo's favorite. Bo, do you want to take this one? Yeah, StarCraft II Legacy of the Void gets a cinematic trailer and the reveal for the street date, which I believe is November 10th, 2015. Um, that's off of memory. I, I actually didn't write it down. So I'm pretty sure it's November 10th. But uh, go to YouTube, go to the StarCraft user account, watch the trailer. Even if you don't play Blizzard games, you know their trailers kind of rock. And um, this one didn't disappoint. It featured units instead of characters. Although I think there's a one-eyed Protoss in there who may be a character in the show. There's always there is always a character in the new StarCraft trailers. Like Kerrigan was in one, and Tychus Findlay was in the other one. So, but this one-eyed guy, I don't. Maybe somebody knows who he is, but I don't. Uh, but um, it's awesome. It's just fa- fantastic, and uh, I think I I think I must have watched the wrong trailer. The one I watched was like a cinematic trailer with all the like Rainer was in it and Kerrigan was in it, and yeah, you watched the wrong one. It's the cinematic trailer for Legacy of the Void. And, yeah, um, that's that's what I watched. So it features. It's basically the setup is the the Protoss are retaking their home world. It's a small group of Protoss standing off against the hordes of Zerg, while they you know put down a. Um, I can't remember what it is called, but they they're, they warp in units, right? So they go to warp in a pylon, and it's so amazing that a a Protoss pylon is in the cinematic trailer. <laughs> you you must build additional pylons. You know, there's, there's the iconic sort of say error message from StarCraft. So there's a gigantic yeah. yeah, there's a gigantic pylon that comes to save the day in that um, trailer. It's amazing. Uh, you get to see two high Templars merge into an Archon. And kill a mut- um Sorry, it's a mutalisk, right? The big guys. Yeah, amazing trailer. And StarCraft, the last chapter of StarCraft Two is coming out. I couldn't be more excited. So that's the news. And then I just wanted to gush over it for all of two minutes. Uh, seriously, one of the better cinematics, just because it's so full of action and um, awesome, you know, Protoss stuff. I'll let you have this moment, Bo. This I'm moment. not going to say anything because I was underwhelmed a little bit. But well, uh, you saw the wrong I... trailer. <laughs> well, maybe there's no Rainer in this trailer. If you saw Rainer, it's not the right one. Did I? It finished. It was a Legacy of the Void cinematic trailer. There's, there's who... two. There's two trailers. There's one where they did a teaser with in-game stuff, and they released the cinematic, like the CGI trailer. So huh. it's maybe two I saw day, the it was wrong yesterday, one. I believe, that it got released. All right. I will I will defer to you on this. You saw, and honestly, uh, you're a huge StarCraft fan, so if you think it looks awesome, I guarantee it does look awesome. Yeah, it's pretty it's uh, pretty amazeballs. It's got Baneling's in it. It's got everything. All right, uh, next up. On, so on, I, I'm looking at the news list here. You can go back to this. I'm skipping ahead, and you can go to the uh, the YouTube stuff. After I just saw The Witcher 3 here, and you know I'm such a huge fan of The Witcher 3. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so you, it says here, Witcher 3 cost 81 million US dollars to make and profited about 61 million in sales. Do you mean it sold like, you mean it's running right now? It's losing money? No, no, no. Profit like above and beyond. It recouped its costs and its profit. I really paraphrase this article. I didn't even include the link, but I believe it was on GameSpot. 
Okay. Um, and the so the news article was just reporting that you know want to know how much Witcher three costs to make, and I was like, oh, Crofton might like that. He really likes that game. I'm. I do yet. like that. So it was eighty one million, and um, that's a lot of <laughs> millions, guys, for a, you know a single video game. I don't know where it stands. I don't know if it's the most. I doubt it's the most expensive. game. No, it's not. But... The first Shenmue game cost something like two hundred million at the All time. Right. Well, you know, Shenmue hipster dumb aside. Yeah. No, I. It's a. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of money. Here's the thing, though, is like. CD Projekt Red treats customers, right? Remember, we would get these... Uh, remember, I did the unboxing where I was opening all the stuff that's inside each game. Like, you get the soundtrack and map, color maps and manuals. Yeah. So they definitely didn't cheap out on any of the extra stuff. I think they put a fair amount of advertising monies behind it. And, and like, the game itself, um, if you play it, and especially it's made with a smaller team than a lot of games like Elder Scrolls games, you were like, man, this must have cost a shit ton of money to make. Like really um, the voice acting alone and, and a lot of that stuff, I'm sure it cost a fortune. So, But I, I got scared because I knew it. I had heard it had been financially successful, but um, I got scared when I saw this because I thought that it, it was operating at a loss and, and – uh, I want developers to look at The Witcher 3 as an example of what to do, both in terms of game design and how to treat customers, the free DLC and all that stuff, um, and not an example of like, oh, we're not going to do it like that because we're going to lose money, right? So I'm glad it made money. All right. Well, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty interesting also because this they do AAA games, but CD Projekt Red is also not a titan of the game industry like you know, Activision or EA or something like that, you know, like, I mean, they, they're very important and they have a lot of money now, or maybe they have for a while, but, uh, they sort of sit in that fine spot where they have kind of an indie credibility. Like they're not an indie, but they have credibility where a lot of big developers, even though they make great games, catch a lot of slack for being a, you know, being the man of the gaming industry, basically. Yeah. They're not the man yet. Nope. Um, all right, and so this next article uh, was a, I thought it was interesting. Uh, so YouTuber reportedly requests twenty two thousand dollars for coverage of a game. Um, this was an article I believe I saw it in PC Gamer, and it caught my interest just because you know let's plays and live streams are so big, and there are a few people out there, or maybe more than a few, who have millions of followers who are tastemakers. Basically, uh, they're almost like a new aristocracy. <laughs> for for the gaming culture on, you know, mm, I endorse this game. And then people are like, oh, this guy endorses this game. And then millions of people purchase said game. Um, I remember Planet Side 2. Remember they had the deal with like Total Biscuit or something? He came in and would do all these features on it. Right. They had popular YouTubers from each of the factions like do this media related event, which which is which is good. Like. I think the thing about this one is that, you know, when you're going to release a game, traditionally what you'd do is you'd go to GameSpot or whoever and give them early release and say, right, here's whatever to write an article to generate buzz. Um, YouTubers are not big, they're just dudes that a lot of people follow, right? They got like, you know, PewDiePie is just PewDiePie. I mean, he's probably incorporated by now, but he, he's still basically, it's him. So if this guy go, comes online and says, man, this indie game is awesome, I give it, you know, five out of five PewDiePies. People, <laughs> or I don't know, apple pies. I gave it three peach pies, peach cobblers, and two blueberry walnut dwarfs. I don't know what pies are called. Um, you know, that could generate revenue. So that has value. So, so I think a lot of these guys are getting inundated now with, hey, check out my new game, check out my new game. And in this article, it was an indie developer who was, you know, maybe developing this on a very small budget, just... You know, throwing out unsolicited ads to YouTube or say, hey, I've got a game. Here's a free game code. We'd love it if you'd play it on your site. And then the response they got back was, yeah, we'll do it. It's 22000 for three good talking points. And it'll be more uh, for three good talking points and a link in the description. And um, a few things came up. It was, it was, there was a, a few Reddit posts that I read on it. And one thing that came up was... You know, first of all, if a Let's Play doesn't disclaim that it's been a pay, it's paid, it's probably in violation of FCC rules. And here in Canada, I'm sure there's something similar with the CRTC. Like, paid product placement has, you know, 
I think has to be acknowledged on some level. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but a lot of these people are not companies with lawyers they're just dudes are like, man, I need to make some money. Why not ask them for money? Uh, but that also, this, what, this was an indie developer reporting it on YouTube, which the reason why he posted it on Reddit was to say, is there anyone out here who's paying this? Is this a thing now? Do the big developers pay, you know? And if so, there's nothing out there in the public right now sort of proving this. I imagine gamers would be really upset with someone like PewDiePie if they found out uh, EA gave him a million dollars to play a game that he didn't want to play, but he cashed out. Like, there's a credibility issue, and then there's a legal issue. You know, so there's these new, this, this new sort of brand of ethics, or it's not new, but it's new in terms of YouTube live streamers, and it might be a thing. So I think you need, we all need to be a little more vigilant about who we're watching on YouTube and even us, maybe we were paid to say that StarCraft 2 is a really awesome game, um, even though we haven't played. <laughs> if somebody wants to pay me $22,000 to pimp their game, do it. <laughs> but we, the thing is, you can do it, but we'd have to disclose that we did it. And then gamers would be like, you're a shill. Gamer I, man. I'm a and shill. Then, Just give know. me the money. <laughs> I like Duke Nukem forever. So let's start a new podcast called the Shillcast, and um, we'll just talk. We'll just say anything is good if you give us money to say it's good, and that'll be the show. Um, I think we got something there. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I I definitely can see where where the conflict would lie, especially with impre- there's a lot of impressionable young folks that watch the streams or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I I definitely I don't more more or less like so because of that this is less of something that i i see affecting me but i could see it see it affecting young people for sure yeah you know your future children might so um something to be mindful of it's a it's a wild west out there it's not like tv where they have to tell you something's advertised or run the risk of being fined millions of dollars um even then there's problems in television land too i'm sure all right so i think that covers it for the news uh now we're gonna think move on to something a little different crofton you want to team me up uh yes we are going to talk about the games we play you're always talking about making kids minds like vegetables talk about them out on the street smoking pot this is games per minute how do you feel about cutting his head off see that bo i'm trying i'm trying to be smarter about about not saying the exact name because i know it's going to be said in the bumper right and it's funny okay. because I've gotten used to you saying the name in the bumper. So I'm like, when's my cue? My cue is you saying the name now. <laughs> I, in my mind, I gave up. So you're just you're just trying to mess with me. As soon as I you be- give me, I beat you. As soon as you get me used to one thing, you'll we're gonna change it up again. All right, Crofton, what have you been playing this week? Past week or two? Okay, so first off, I you know I I mentioned my computer's dead, uh, and uh, that was sort of like a mixed blessing with, in regards to it took away the Rocket League distraction. I haven't played Rocket League since pretty much we last recorded. Um, I still love it, obviously, and as soon as I have an op- a computer that can run it, I will be all over Rocket League. But I was uh, I went a full scale on Batman Arkham Knight, which uh, I had been playing, and I've now as of last night somewhat finished the game um and uh and yeah so i have like more fully formed impressions of uh batman arkham knight do you want me to go into full-on rant mode here bo okay let's do it well all right well we we can it it's um I just want to clarify a couple of things I said last episode. I was I was disappointed by a lot last episode, and I think this is the deal. When your expectations are really high for something, and this was the game I was most anticipating this year, uh, you they have nowhere to go to except down. And and um, Batman Arkham Knight makes a pretty bad first impression, I think, uh, when you start playing it. Uh, the the, the, the intro, they're heavy on the Batmobile almost immediately, which is the weakest part of the game, and then they uh, and then they throw you into perhaps the shittiest area of the game uh, fairly quick as well. Um, so I, I was kind of I was kind of feeling down on it early on, and I think that came through in the previous episode. If I was reviewing it, and we don't do reviews on the show, if I was reviewing it now, I would give it an 8.5 out of 10, which is a good score, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it ends up being 
pretty good uh for sure like and in the story is much more impressive than i had originally thought at the beginning uh, there's a couple of twists it's really difficult to talk about like you want to do a spoiler a spoiler filled um version of uh, the discussion of the plot because there's a couple of t- there's two key elements one that happens fairly early on but it's still i feel like i would be doing a disservice to anyone who intends to play the game by revealing either of the two things uh, but but i i found that the game was really uh well well put together pretty interestingly plotted and um and really quite fun to play the two things i would hold against it are the batmobile was was while it got better as you get all those unlocks right like yeah. uh yeah. um you get unlocks for you remember in arkham asylum how how i don't even understand what the story reason was why batman didn't have any of his gadgets but by the end you get you have all the gadgets in arkham city in arkham asylum uh, the very well, you first get captured, one. I think, and you get don't you get captured? So that's why you have to cover them all. Like no, I don't know. But like you walk into the asylum and you have his belt. Like I don't uh, understand where he loses all his shit. Um, I forget. It's the, been too long. But in Arkham City, they start you with a bunch of shit, and in in Arkham Knight, you start with even more crap. That's not to say you don't get more devices, but you start with a lot of stuff. But the Batmobile starts with almost nothing. Like it, it's much different in terms of weaponry and stuff at the end of the game than it is at the beginning, and therefore much more fun to use. At the beginning, it's kind of like it's bare bones, and it seems out of place in a Batman game. I'll be honest, and it continues to be out of place throughout the game. And I kind of wish it wasn't there. Batmobile aside, like it still had its moments. It still had some fun moments in the Batmobile, and like it, it wasn't a total crap show. Uh, but the the other the other thing that kind of um, uh, the the other part that kind of sucked for me was um, so there was the uh, there was the Batmobile and there was geez I lost I lost my train of thought here it was one other thing because the, overall the game is so high quality like it's so the graphics are nice I would say the art direction is not as nice as the previous Arkham games. Um, so maybe maybe on par with Arkham Origins, maybe a little better. The technical graphics uh, are really nice. Um, so I, all in all, it's it's a it's a really impressive technical game. Artistically, it's not as impressive as the previous Batman games, and, and uh, it, it doesn't nail that comic book aesthetic as well. Although Gotham, as it opens up you get more and more it gets more and more that gothic feel as you go on uh but yeah i just i just felt that um oh the other thing going back to what i was going to say earlier aside from the batmobile is that there was a lot of me too stuff like a lot of uh, a lot of samey repeat cut and paste things i'll give you an example um uh, you would do something like say fight, chase down a supervillain in your car. Often it was in the car, um, and then you would have to do it three more times. You'd save a firefighter, and then you got to save ten more firefighters. You defuse a bomb, then you got to defuse ten more bombs. It's like the the quintessential sort of video game. Uh, trope, you know, do it once, do it twice, do it three times, do it four times, do it five times. Uh, and it got it got tiresome. Like I really felt that that doing the same tasks over and over, um, even the most fun things would kind of lose their flavor. And all the side quests are kind of set up that way, except for a few that that are kind of one and done side quests. And there there weren't that many of those, but they were the best ones. And I feel like if Batman Arkham Knight had less fluff, like it has a zillion Riddler challenges, it has a zillion extra dudes you gotta fight. If it, it was if it was a little more tight on the extra content, I would have left with a more positive experience overall. But in the in the end, um, it, it sort of redeems itself at the end, where the the storyline kind of hits hits a crescendo. You you're excited to discover some of the big mysteries of the game, and because the game is so long, I would I would say it's almost twice as long as Arkham City, although I could be wrong. Um, you you get a lot of that great Batman goodness from previous games, so I I had uh, I had fun with it overall, but I would say. 
8.5 is fair, especially coming from a game like The Witcher 3, which I felt was a stronger game overall. It's still still a really good game. I would totally recommend it, especially for fans of the Arkham series. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to have to give that a go uh, at some point in the future. But, um, you know, I think that your, your opinion is probably... Uh, you know, it's, it's, I trust your opinion on the Batman games. I didn't even think I'd play the first one, and the first one I know I played because of you. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I just felt that, uh, just you know, to, to to close it, I I felt I was hard on Batman last week. I feel like it's better. It's totally worth a play. Uh, it's it's very technically impressive, and and I feel like if this game you know came out years ago, we'd be calling it one of the best games of all time. But like now we're in. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of amazing games out there right now, and it's 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 tough. So it, but it's still eight point five, and again, it's probably a must own at one point for for your uh, like when it comes out on PC for you, Bo. Like well, you wait it till it gets cheaper PC, or something. Yeah, I probably. I don't have a good track record when it comes to action adventure games. I play them when I, the mood strikes me. I can't, you know, always play them on release. Um, yeah, well, that's that's cool. You might get a better deal that way. Yep. Yeah, or you know, I might have a friend who buys it for me full price and then I not play it. Sorry, Crofton. You I, son I, of a bitch. I have played Arkham City though. I was super grateful. It was actually a really good gaming experience. It it, it is, and see, that's when I give when I give it Arkham Knight eight point five. It's with the idea that. Arkham City to me is a nine point five. Right. So so if if that's a nine point five, where do I you know where do I go from there? I consider Arkham Asylum to be like Arkham Origins, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight are the same similar types of games. I consider Arkham Asylum to be a different type of game, even though it uses much of the same mechanics. It's more like a Metroidvania. And uh, in in a in a tight location, so I I feel weird comparing it to the others, but I would probably give it nine out of ten, you know. So, Arkham City being the best one. Oh wow! So I've played the best one already. I feel bad about that. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. That's my <laughs> opinion. Some a lot of reviewers are saying Arkham Knight is the best one, and I could see why they would say that. But I just I think not Arkham Knight had the unfortunate, and this is what I've heard, but had the unfortunate timing of being released near Rocket League. Um, and I've heard, uh, other people say that like, you know, the driving in rocket league is arcadey and amazing and it's not so good in Arkham Knight. You know, it's- I said, I said that cause I was, oh, okay. I was, was last a- week I said we were doing the, uh, some of the Riddler challenges and the Riddler is like, I could go on about him. I'm not going to, but like really the suspension <laughs> of belief is right out the window with how he could design these ridiculous challenges. And a lot of them are now these either racetracks for the Batmobile through these like death courses or their actual platforming puzzle solving with the Batmobile. Anyway, I wanted to shoot my brains out doing those things. They were (laughs) the worst. Yeah. Well, Rocksteady, if you're listening, get your puzzle making crap together and make them more, first of all, believable and stop using the car to do them. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what's going to be next for both Rocksteady and the Batman franchise. I know somebody's going to do another Batman. I don't think it's going to be Rocksteady, um, and it's it's probably it may even be like a reboot of the franchise or a different thing. But I have to say the whole Arkham universe. Like I'm a big Batman fan, and I would say the whole uh, Arkham universe provides like one of the best versions of Batman and his Rogues Gallery that I can I can think of, and the story allows them to because they know it's ending they're able to do things that comic books can't do because comic books they always release they release a new one every month so you know characters if they die they're coming back or whatever but it's not like that necessarily in in video games when there's a finite amount right so yeah i think i think it's a very interesting take i i think you and a lot of people agree on this um for my games per minute i don't have much to report you know i've been playing heroes of the storm Rocket League. I played some new Hearthstone cards. I haven't been playing that much Hearthstone though, and uh, a whole lot of Diablo. Um, the new patch. Still, the new patch is really fun. Um, I've also got a group of people that I'm running content with, which makes it also more. You know, playing with other people is more fun too. So, I've gotten to the highest torment level, torment ten. Um, I'm not playing on hardcore this year though, and I think that's why the I've had progress so quickly. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we have the- hardcore, you die right away. It's permadeath, yeah, right? It's permadeath. So just 
how like on these high levels of torment and stuff like that how often are you dying uh it depend like you see the the way the game kind of works uh, is if you turn the torment level up too high and you can't handle it you're dying like every 2 seconds right like you're just getting pwned and even on hardcore the way that you kind of die is you crank you crank up difficulty levels and you're managing it and then you get bursted by something ridiculous some rng in terms of like like um you know enemy power placement or just a monster that you didn't think was going to hurt you as bad as it did and then it did so you die a lot and then what happens is you're like man i'm dying like every three seconds i res i come back i die i guess we need to crank it down one so you log out of the game and you log back into a slightly less difficult version of the game and because you're a pussy well, you know. No, I'm I mean, you kidding. run it, you get better loot, and then you theory craft with all the cool loot you got, and then you start, you crank up more and more. So, um, uh, so one of the, one of the people I run with, uh, John Jagger, the guy from Azeroth Roundtable, he he has this monk build where he can. Um, it's kind of funny because I like Joe. He can palm everybody. <laughs> there's there's an ability on the monk called exploding palm. <laughs> sweet yeah that sounds useful so you know when he hits somebody with a palm and they die then this palm spreads to other people and then they can blow up and die and and anyways he's got this giant combo of stuff where he's palming everybody and they're exploding and it's really cool (laughs) (laughs) and i know i just love talking about it because i'm a dirty person and it's hilarious but um uh you can do all these cool combo things that you can't do in the normal game. And that's sort of where the end game gets really fun is trying to figure out how to like combo abilities in like these crazy, ridiculous ways. Combo. Yeah. Although that was one of my pet peeves of Diablo was it like, I guess, you know, you, you couldn't really like the abilities didn't really interact with other players in, in the sense, like you play a game like Marvel ultimate Alliance or something. You can, you know, combine your powers to make a superpower or something like that. In, in Diablo, it's just that you do something to the monsters and somebody else can do something to the monsters, yeah, right? There's no, there's no meaningful mechanics uh, that are interactive with other players besides resing them when they die. That's yeah. There's like there's no body blocking. You know, there's no friendly fire, which thank God because there's so much spam. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but like games like that offer unique challenges. Like, and I think that's what's missing from the. Well, I don't know if it's missing from the Diablo experience. I think people who work on Diablo would say that's not what our objective is in making this game. But for a multiplayer game, it can be fun to spam things, but it d- definitely there's not a lot of meaning in terms of what you're doing with other players. You know, there's very little like like when Rocket League, I'm like, go to the other side of the net, I'll shoot the ball to you. It's important yeah, yeah. that we do what we say and we get our enjoyment from coordinating plays that that are meaningful and there's none there's no like okay you tank and i'll go over here and hit this thing and whatever whatever but i think a lot of people would argue that raiding is where you know the blizzard franchises focus on that kind of content because end game is really just giant bosses that take 25 people to do and, and to coordinate in almost complex ways so so when you're playing torment or whatever are you just playing like is it the same single player game that are you just doing the same levels over and over and over have you played adventure mode yet no so diablo 3 famously when it released it just makes you finish the game four times over and gets increasingly more difficult with reaper of souls what they said was that's dumb so what we're going to do is let you pick your own difficulty and there's a slider it's a very fancy slider that you know from normal all the way up to torment 10 now so there's like 15 difficulty levels. Oh, I 14. see. Yeah. And so you can play the campaign on any difficulty level you choose. But mm-hmm. torment levels and higher are basically impossible to do without legendary gear, without really good legendary gear. And um, and so it's also boring to run the same game over again. So there's adventure mode. And adventure mode has two things. There's bounties, which send you out into the game world to kill specific creatures. And they're, they could be new. It's like kill Blarg on you know the caverns of whatever and so you go to the caverns of whatever and you hunt down blarg and you kill him so there's the bounty system he had it coming yeah blarg had it coming um and then there's the rifts which are like um time challenges where you get a lot of drops like the drop rate's pretty good tons of elite packs where you go in and just kill as much as you can and that's all it is and it's randomized purely randomized levels and creatures 
So that's sort of where you spend a lot of your time is in adventure mode because then you don't have to do story things anymore. You don't have to go through bosses or do places you've done a hundred times over. It adds a bit more variety. I will say that there isn't enough variety um, in the different bounties that you can do. Like I've already, you know, I've ran several series of bounties and I already feel like I'm seeing repeats on missions and stuff like that. And um, that's not fun. So still, that's better than what I thought. Anyway, yeah. it sounds, well, uh... I've, I think I've played it quite enough. I've got tons of gear. I'm at the point now where farming for gear is like, I'm not getting meaningful loot drops all the time. I'm getting the, the running joke is um, we keep getting these bow janglers. Uh, there's a boots called bow janglers and they're, they're, t- they're legendaries. They're terrible. They don't they don't do anything exciting or meaningful. So now everything that's bad is a bow jangler, and um, so we we get a lot of bow janglers. But um, yeah, Diablo three is fun. That's what I've been playing, and that's the end of that. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with games I've been playing. <laughs> Hello there, Bo here. Uh, Just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random using the random topic generator and debate whether it's Good, Bad, or Bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. All right. Well, it looks like we got our game time in this week, which is good. I'm going to have to find something to replace Batman now that it's uh, over. I think I might go back to The Witcher. We'll see. Um, But before we do that, maybe we should move along to our next segment. We're going to skip again the dialogue tree this week. Um, we, we're going to do a mega dialogue tree sometime. You guys will all be rewarded with a, uh, great conversation, but we, we've been going on about different topics and maybe, maybe the dialogue tree just flows into what we're saying. Anyway, next, next, uh, next section is called inventory management. And this is where we answer the question, spend your cash or vendor trash. Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. All right. Well, I was going to say everything that you said before the bumper. You've changed it up on me again. I thought you were going to be vague, and then you completely described it. I'm like bumper. a chameleon, Bo. You can't pin me down. Uh, my, I'm going to just do my rec first okay? because it's pretty straightforward. I only like to make recommendations to games when I'm done them. Now, Batman Arkham Knight, I said that I was near the end. Um, I I looked on the internet just to be like, because I was like, why aren't the end credits rolling? I was confused. But I guess I I have to do a couple of mini missions to get the end end credits to roll. But I'm right at the end. I've beaten the big bad and all that sort of stuff. So because of that, I feel like I've I've got a fully formed opinion of it, and I'm ready to recommend it. Uh, I've recommended other Batman Arkham games in the past, but today... My recommendation, Batman Arkham Knight for the PlayStation 4. Why for the PlayStation 4? Because I uh, that's the version I played. And, oh, uh, and so you're I not going to endorse the other consoles, even though you know they're just as good? No, I don't. Like, Isn't the whole deal that the PC version is so bad it got pulled? They fixed it by now. I haven't. No, they haven't fixed it. It's still not on the Steam store. They released a patch, oh, but really? it's not It's not done yet. So, And the Xbox One version is probably the I same. For, I, I don't forgot know, about but I, that when I said my thing. You're right. You're right. I you're made right. a point of saying PS4 because it's the only one I can guarantee is awesome. And there was zero glitches, zero problems. Really, it, it ran perfectly smoothly. Uh, so, so what you know, Crofton was saying before about being a shillmeister was like untrue. It, it's untrue. Rock said, "Give me my money, Warner Brothers. Give me my money." <laughs> he didn't get any money for that. He just wants you to know that his word is um, trustworthy. 
All right, then to, I have something a little different this week. It is definitely gaming related. I know sometimes I stretch the boundaries of what a game recommendation entails with television shows, which are not games. But um, there's actually this great little website called Sarian.net. And um, anyone who's played old text adventures already knows what the word Sarian means. It's from the Space Quest 1, the Sarian Encounter title. Um, so Sarian.net uh, has to do with Sierra Online, the old uh, graphic, um, what do they call them? Point and click adventures. Uh, and basically what it is, I'm not sure how they're able to do this and not get in trouble. But um, Serian.net has several of the old games available for free to play in your browser. So it has King's Quest 1 through 3, it has the first police quest, and it's got Space Quest 1 and 2, it's got the Black and the Black Cauldron. And you can start playing at any point in the game. Like, it works really weird. So, like, I started off in Ulens Flats. Uh, Ulens Flats? Yeah. Um, in Space Quest 1 when I played it. But you can start them from the beginning. They're, they're, they're faithful reproductions. I think if you want the actual game experience, you should go and find a copy of the original game and play that. But if you want a free way to kill time at your office or just, I don't know, if you're, you have something that you don't want to pay attention to, um, your significant other's arguing with you and you want to pretend you're listening but then check out this site instead, that's something... This is a site you can go to and sort of enjoy those games. So... Um, I didn't know it existed till I found it on Reddit, and maybe you didn't know it existed, but this might just make your day for an afternoon. Sarian, S-A-R-I-E-N dot net. There you will find those games, and um, they're a lot of fun. Uh, and also, one of the cool things, too, is just like, in those old games, you had to type in what you needed to type in, but you can right-click on the screen, and it'll just give you a list of all the things you can type in, which is kind of cool, so you can kind of progress quicker than you would normally. I actually found that website quite a long time ago. Um, I was uh, It's a good recommendation. I was looking for a way to play old Sierra games on my iPad, and uh, you can through the Safari browser or whatever, uh, and Sarian.net, which is pretty awesome. Um, it's only the thing is it's only the AGI games and not the SCI games, which are that's adventure game gobbledygook for the, the the systems they used to make those games. So even the more advanced EGA graphics games and no, none of the VGA point and clicks are are playable this way. It's only the oldest of the old, uh, which were fun. I remember I tried Police Quest was one of my first video games ever. My parents didn't seem to realize that. Um, that the white pixels in the trunk of a car were bags of cocaine and not uh, <laughs> nice. bags of flour. Um, so, so I, I definitely have fond memories of that game, and I tried playing, and I played it. I, you know, I, I went, I got far enough before the novelty ran out. You know, I was on the iPad, and I was like, oh yeah, uh, it, uh, this was really fun back in the day, but. I've got better things to play now or whatever, but it's still like, I think it's a great, it's a, it's neat to have that sort of reference. And there are other old adapters like scum VM, which is, a, uh, allows you to play old like monkey Island games and this sort of thing, uh, on thing, on all sorts of things ranging from your Nintendo DS to like your iPad and that. So it's there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff out there for people who look, to allow us to enjoy the adventure gaming goodness of our youth. So good rec, Bo. Oh, th yeah. I Thank you. That was... I thought, you know, gamers would really appreciate this kind of thing. Although maybe young gamers would be like, oh, I don't want to play this old the, man crap. What the <laughs> fuck is all this pixels? This is crappy. Where's the 4K? <laughs> the one the one omission on here that I'm kind of sad about is the Mother Goose and her fairy tales. I played that a lot as a kid. A Dude, one. no joke. That was my first game ever. M mixed up Mother Goose. Yeah, mixed and up when, Mother Goose. And when I worked at a day camp, I had all, because they released a VGA version of it eventually. I had all the kids, like I was in charge of computer time and I had all the young kids playing mixed up Mother Goose and they all ate that shit up. It was amazing. It was, like, it was well done. Yeah, so anyway, next um, up, Mother Goose, I have super fond memories of as well. Uh, yeah, so if you have fond memories of a game, you, you want to hear us talk about it, you want to contribute to the conversation, send us an email uh, to uh, exmpodcast at gmail.com. Bo, is it possible that we have received an email? Uh, we did, actually. So last week in our Twitch chat, 
Um, people were writing stuff at us. And even today, there's people writing stuff at us. We're doing a show. We can't talk to you. But we appreciate you being here. And you guys can, you know, grab a drink and talk to each other. Um, but some people really wanted us to answer some questions. So I said, email us. So, um, uh, wait, is this the one? So a gentleman named Ben uh, had a question for us. Hi, um, Ben. And so here it is. Very succinct. Your opinion, colon. Games of the East and the Games of the West. O-O. As in, like, the dungeon crawlers, open world shooters, and MMOs, MMORPGs, RPGs, mobs, and the communities. <laughs> that, that's the email. Thank you, Ben, for your message. I'm not quite clear on on what you're asking. So I sent him a, respo- I sent him a re- reply, but I didn't get an answer back. I wanted to know if he meant Eastern games as in... Um, I guess we're the West, like Western game development. Yeah, we for Eastern sure game development. If he's uh, talking yeah. Western, and let's talk about it like that, because so, that's our, an interesting yeah. thing we can talk about real briefly. Sure. Uh, the because uh, the Tokyo Game Show, we led off the top with the that's that's coming soon, and that focused on on Eastern uh, made games. And I remember I I worked uh, I worked for Nintendo in sort of promotion for a, for a little while way back when, and. And when I did that, all games or most games were made in the East. Like, and if they weren't, they were made maybe in California or whatever. Um, Canada didn't become the hub of of gaming development that it is now. For instance, Montreal, even Bioware in Edmonton, all that sort of stuff. Like that happened. That happened later. And when I was a kid, like especially on the consoles. The most advanced games were always Japanese games, but as sort of things have evolved, it feels like now that they're more. It's more likely to be Western games. Like most of the games we talked about today are Western games. I think Blizzard, all those games are Western games, even though they're extremely popular in the East. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so I would say I, I'm more of a Western game guy. Like I used to love Final Fantasy, but now I see a lot of them and, I'm, and I, I find them cringeworthy. And like Metal Gear Solid just came out. That was one that used to represent adult games for me. And I, I look at it now and, uh, you know, he he famously designed the girl's desert outfit to be like a bikini or whatever. And I'm like, man, uh, you just don't – that's sort of like immature shit that wouldn't happen in Western development, or is less likely to happen in Western development. No, it so. happens in Western development. I think, I think it's less blatant. I think, mm. like, I think the just the rationale is like less. It's just less like, yep, she's naked. That's what we like. Whatever. I think people have Western gamers and Western. You know, if they're gonna make a hottie like that and make her naked, they're gonna provide a lot of justification and rationale for it. In a lot of cases, but they still do it. I mean, but like lollipop, it. chainsaw, and bayonetta, and all that stuff. That's all. Those are all Japanese games, right? Like that. Well, when it's really they're, gratuitous, they're not, they're not it's Japanese. Of, they're not bashful about their. Some might say misogyny. Like they're, you know, they they. I would say that. Like watch anime. Like a lot. Of, there's a lot of Eastern stuff that is. I mean, I, th- I feel like it's Japanese. I, I'm hard pressed to think of like. Maybe other cultures in Asia like have that in other countries, but like a lot of the Japanese stuff in particular, you know, they're very much, uh, you know, women are treated as objects. Like, well, I I know there's a lot of like Korean MMOs. Like, what is the one starts with L? Lineage. Legacy lineage. Yeah. yeah, lineage two. I remember I was working at Ubisoft when lineage two came out, and we gave it a test, and it was all like, well, like you what, know, what about the EverQuest two chick, like? bikinis and armors and stuff it's true but like there was something particularly egregious about the lineage i don't know what the deal is oh, i mean uh, it, for the if forget for that. I was, it was I more was, like uh, box art than it is like in-game stuff i was looking up articles today and i saw there's de- there's a dead, dead or alive 5 coming and uh, there's an article it was an opinion piece just about i think oh uh, anita sarkeesian was do- was talking about it um because it's free to play but you can buy outfits and dead or alive is a famous fighter game for it's like um, the boo, it's like a boob simulator. Like the yeah, you, know, you can boobs. control the bounciness of the boobs, right? And they're very, um, they're very like a lot of attention is paid to how they animate and to things of that nature, um, and and they like in some cases I think they're charging like a hundred dollars to for like brawn panty outfits, um, you know, to to do that in their game. It's very there's no purpose to it. Now one might say one might have a fighting uniform. 
and it's revealing versus well you just have like why don't them they just be naked like it's very blatantly you know designed for you know their sexuality is very blatantly put on display whereas like that aesthetic still pervades in western gaming but it's less of the like it's not they're not you know game companies are not like we know you come here to play the games for the naked women you know it's just I, part I, of the art <laughs> I, and aside from the like then i don't want to get too sidetracked on it back to the east versus west right. thing i, I definitely thing. i i definitely feel that part of it has to do with the jap uh, japanese and western uh, eastern games having less of a capacity to build these giant blockbuster triple a's uh, like pretty much final fantasy 15 and metal gear solid 5 have crippled their respective companies, like where they've taken pretty much all the resources imaginable, multiple years longer of development time than they think. They just don't. They, they're not able to pump them out in as efficiently a manner as is the is Western developers, and like. Um, the Witcher Three we talked about earlier. That's a little bit of it. When we talk Western development, even though Poland would be considered Western development, it, it's definitely an outlier. And I think I think it's it's an example of a, a game company that that streamlined its resources to to develop this game uh, in as in in as efficient a manner as possible. And Ubisoft has it pretty much down at this point, and a lot of other game companies do. Yeah. But I just feel like Japan just can't keep up with that. So in terms of me, from big immersive experiences, I'm I'm much more likely to get that out of a Western game, and therefore I I'm more of a Western gamer right now. Whereas when I was in the Super Nintendo days, I was all about the East East Coast baby. Yeah, it, it's I. It's weird because the way I feel about Western games is just that I find they're more imaginative. Um, where you know, like think about Mario Brothers and how stupid that sounds. If so, if you never heard of Mario Brothers and someone just described it to you, it's you know there's a plumber and he jumps on things and it's in this magical world where he's got to save a princess. It sounds dumb, but it's a work of imagination, and it's definitely Western games very often are rooted in. Even if they're fantasy, they're rooted in a sense of realism or a sense of this is like life. There are fantastical elements to it, but it's like life. Whereas, you know, um, think of think of the Last Guardian or I like Ico. Those are games of imagination. They're not they're not like life at all. Think of Zelda. Like like you see humans in them, but like there are these crazy flights of fantasy that take place. Like the weird things that happen in Metal Gear games, right? Like that you hide in a cardboard box or I was reading an article today where taking a shower makes you more powerful. Um, like, like weird game mechanics that are cool, but they're just like, they're not necessarily the most realistic where if you play like mass effect, it seems like, no, it's the political debates and characters and everything's got to be rooted in a sense of authenticity that, um, I feel like Japanese games don't feel they need to, our Japanese Eastern games are not, they're more bound to their internal truths rather than the truths of the actual universe. And so I, I agree with a hundred percent of what you said. I just think that, that, and I'm glad they're both there and both provide those options. But if I had to pick one and I could never play one, one of the other genre again, like if I had to pick West Western games or Eastern games, I would totally pick Western games. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, I'm glad they're both there, but if, if we're having to put them up against each other, I'd rather be playing uh, mass effect and, uh, Batman and La the last of us rather than playing, uh, Mario and, uh, metal gear solid, for instance, like just, that's just, if I have to pick one of the two, although I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to pick. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I, I'm in agreement with you, but I'm very reluctant to say that because I think there's some there are great, like right now, they're just not holding our imagination, but there are great experiences, I think, to be had in the future that will come from Western developers. At, uh... Sweet. Thanks for the question, Ben. Yeah, thank it was you. Ben. It was Ben, right? Yeah, Ben. Sweet. That was a good one. Um, so, yeah, you can write in with questions for us as well at exmpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have a website, exmpodcast.com. You can find all our shows there. I used to do a blog, but I have been slacking so bad it's becoming a running joke. Um, at exmpodcast on Twitter is where we do our tweets. Uh, you can also facebook.com slash exmpodcast and click that nice little like button. 
Uh, we'd like to see you subscribe to us as well. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, EXM Podcast. Uh, and uh, twitch.tv slash EXM Podcast is where we live stream. We do that generally on Monday evenings. We variable time so keep an eye on the twitter uh and thank you to those who have been bearing with our rotating schedule also we have another show it's called good bad or bullshit where bo and i get together with our pal mike and review a random topic every week it's not necessarily game related but it's pretty fun conversation we think you'd like it so check that out also uh we are individuals we have individual likes and dislikes Bo, for instance, doesn't like homeless people. That's, hey, not, true. that's I, not true. I, th- <laughs> I think he likes homeless people. Uh, I don't I like don't sushi, for instance. <laughs> How would you figure that out? How would you figure that out? I know you could follow us individually on Twitter. Bo, how could the people follow you? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Bo Schwartz. And hear like about when- his homeless hate. Hashtag on, homeless man. hate. Come on, man. Um, I don't need the homeless lobby after me. And at Croft and Steers is my is my tweet handle, hashtag sushi hate. Um, and so with that, we our show is almost concluded. Except we have one last section. Bo, please play the music. It's now time for Master Game Theater. All right, so this episode, uh, we're going to do one from one of Bo and my favorite co-op games. Uh, Bo? Borderlands 2, probably one of the better games that I've played in my history of playing games. I really enjoyed that game and played it a lot. And I was thinking when we were doing Master Game Theater, like, what are the games that we really enjoy? And this one popped to mind, so many great lines, so so many great things. We can't do justice to all of it, but we found a passage. This particular passage... When I first played with Crofton, had Crofton in so many stitches uh, listening to this, uh, you know, rant. So it's only fitting that Crofton performs it for you. Uh, He will play the role of Handsome Jack. And um, he's having a discussion with the player character. Uh, Crofton, whenever you're ready, uh, shine your wonderful performance light on the masses. Hey, kiddo, Jack here, president of Hyperion. Let me explain how things work here. Vault Hunter shows up. Vault Hunter looks for the new vault. Vault Hunter gets killed by me. Seeing the problem here? You're still alive. So you could just do me a favor and off yourself? That'd be great. Thanks, pumpkin. So, how's your day been, buddy? We haven't really talked much since I left you for dead. Hey, you think you'll freeze to death out there? Nah, probably not. The bandits will get you first. My day? Oh, it's been pretty good. I just bought a pony made of diamonds because, you know, I'm rich. So, that's cool. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) 